Before the start of this next episode, I wanted to thank you all for taking the time to listen, comment, share and give me feedback on this podcast, Protect and Serve. When I set out on this journey to create a new and fresh podcast on the lives of our men and women in policing, I would never have thought it would have received as much support as it has. My goal now is to get more and more people to support the show, so I in turn can support two incredible organisations, PTSD 999 and Trojan Wellbeing, both supporting men and women of our emergency services who are affected by mental health from the challenges they face in their professional lives. So please, if you haven't already, like, follow and share the show so we can all help those that help us when we need it most. It means so much to me and it means so much to them. Thank you. Welcome to Protect and Serve, the podcast that delves into the incredible lives of police officers across the United Kingdom and around the world. I'm your host, Oliver Lawrence, and together we will embark on a journey to explore the untold stories of those who dedicated their lives to protecting and serving their communities. You may be sitting there wondering why I chose to start this podcast. Well, let me share with you a little bit about myself. I served as a uniformed officer for over a decade. During my time, I witnessed firsthand the immense sacrifices that officers make daily. From confronting dangerous situations to offering a helping hand, their dedication is unwavering. These experiences left a profound impact on me, even after I hung up my uniform. I created the podcast to shed light on the extraordinary work of police officers, not just in the United Kingdom, but across the globe. Each episode will feature riveting interviews with these brave men and women, offering you a glimpse into the challenges they faced, the triumphs they celebrated, and the personal journeys that brought them to this noble profession. But it's not just about the heroic moments, it's about the individuals behind the uniforms. We'll explore their passions, their motivations, and their unwavering commitment to protecting and serving their communities. This podcast isn't about promoting any particular agenda or glossing over the often complex nature of policing. Instead, it's a platform to celebrate the diverse perspectives and experiences that exist within the law enforcement community. We will address the tough questions, engage in honest and courageous conversations, seeking to understand the myriad of roles and responsibilities that come with being a police officer. Whether you're a fellow officer, someone aspiring to join the police, or a curious listener seeking to gain insight into the lives of those who wear the uniform, Protect and Serve has something for everyone. So join me as we embark on this eye-opening journey, sharing stories that will inspire, enlighten, bring a tear to the eye, and create a better understanding of the dedication and sacrifices police officers make to keep us safe. Thank you for joining me on this adventure. Together, we'll explore the heart and soul of those who proudly protect and serve. Okay, well, welcome to another episode of Protect and Serve. It's, um, you know, a podcast which I've been doing now for coming on 18 months and, uh, have been incredibly privileged to speak to a number of colleagues in policing about their careers. And as the podcast has been going on, you know, there's been lots of events going on around the world and particularly here in London. And, you know, 
uh, to give people and, and to give listeners and people that are viewing for the first time a podcast I'm doing in a studio, a bit of a backstory about you and I, AJ, exactly, and how we uh, came to to meet each other. Yeah. You know, just before Christmas, yeah, uh, I yeah September yeah. Uh, bought a pair of trainers for my wife, and we yeah. came across each other. And I've been very intrigued as to sort of the challenges that london faces with you know knife crime um and and just generally the experiences of growing up in london and you and i got talking about my life in policing and your life you know in in your world living on the streets and what's that like and your your views on policing and and we hit it off straight away yeah so when when we met um you know he was a nice guy came across you straight away and i remember you mentioning to me that you was a police officer i don't know if you saw it but i took a little breath (laughs) because you know as as I said, where we come from, we don't really like speak to people that are of the police, but I had to accept you as a human because we we got along straight away. And one thing you mentioned to me, hearing hearing where I come from, you mentioned that you know a lot a lot of people are rolling around with big machetes nowadays. Mm. And um, I mentioned that I believe I know how to solve this issue, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. You being a police officer, and then that's what you mentioned. You know, that's why we're here today. We had to um, speak about it on a podcast. Well, and we I wrote that article on Policing Insight where yeah. we sort of relived experiences. So yeah. when I was policing, it was always my view that to solve these problems, policing can't do it on its own. No. It needs to listen to the community. It needs to understand the challenges. It needs to walk in people's shoes that have experienced certain things, whether it be stop and search, whether it yeah. be an interaction uh, with someone who's had a knife or whether you've carried a knife. And, exactly, yeah. and, you know, if we look since 2016, I think there's been more than 150 young people People that have died on the streets of London exactly. as a result of knife crime, and for me, this is such an important topic. Only on New Year's Eve, we, not, we you know we lost another young boy exactly. to, to, a, we, to a tragic event. And you know, I was passionate about it because we have our own personal experiences. Us losing a friend in 2022, Tyrese Daly. So when you mentioned it to me, I was passionate about it already. It's something you had to speak about. Um, so yeah. So here we are this evening, and we've brought with and we've got with us Devonte down the end there. Yeah. And we've got Chad. Yeah. Chaps, welcome. Devonte, I'll start with you, if I may. This whole issue around sort of knife crime is a is almost a personal one for you in the sense of being a victim of it. So if you give us a bit of a walkthrough, sort of your experiences to date. All right. So it was around 2016. It was AJ's 16th birthday. Mm. It was just celebrating like normal. As I was about to go home, I got approached by a group who asked me where I was from, said where I was from. They knew I wasn't about a gang life, but they just wanted to do it out of spite, I think. and just wanted, like, bragging rights for their friends. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I did get stabbed nine times. But a good thing I survived it. But I still got pain. Well, not really pain, more like nerve damage in my hip or to my left leg. So... If I took my trousers off, which I ain't gonna do, <laughs> this leg is bigger than this one. Okay. So my leg, my left leg, like sinks in. So that experience that evening must have been incredibly traumatic. Firstly, for you, but second of all, your friends, and and I suppose if I can say more importantly, your family. Oh 100%, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Obviously, my mom doesn't like hospitals, so no. she couldn't come. And I, initially, I have so, a vivid like memory of like the one says dad and sister pulling up to the scene. But I think by then you was already in the ambulance, wasn't it? I was in the ambulance on my way to thing. Cause but that's when it hit me, like, because obviously we know what happened that night. But when I saw his dad pull up, and his dad's someone that's not really an expressive person anyway, he's like very reserved. Mm. So when I saw him, like, saying, Where's my son? shouting, and his sister, she, her, she was barefoot. She was barefoot, so she was in her pajamas. 
And my, my mum didn't want to like, give them a phone call. So my mum actually like flew down to their house, which is like a half an hour drive. And his sister came. When I saw them in Bedford, that's when I knew, yeah, this is like, this is serious. So from then, the effects, even like, I remember the look on one of our, fa- one of our friends' faces, like, I feel like that was just instant trauma straight away. And then that's why we're able to speak about knife crime the way, the way that we're going to speak about it today. Yeah, and that's the point of this, is to really sort of um, have a bit of a discussion. Because, often, you know, and I've, I've said it on the podcast, is that this podcast isn't just about exploring sort of policing careers. It was to start off with, but naturally these things evolve. And it's about having courageous conversations, difficult conversations. You know, social media has taken over our lives where we where we tweet or we post on Facebook or a TikTok video, which can have so many different interpretations that we often don't get the chance to sit around the table and listen to each other, exactly. listen to different experiences. Because at the moment, I suppose my observation is that when you see the amount and the levels of knife crime on London – Often people look at the Metropolitan Police as being the one sole focus of the people that will solve this problem. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I believe, and I think we're all in agreement that that's probably the wrong approach. This is a whole-of-community approach, not only understanding the anxieties and the fears of the youngsters that are carrying knives. What's the cause of that? Is it to do with austerity, the communities, what opportunities these kids have? So we're going to explore all these. But first of all, Chad, just steering to you, you're obviously an athlete. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so... Um I'm a professional sprinter, um, competed internationally, um, European junior bronze medalist, um, Commonwealth youth bronze bronze and silver medalist. Wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I've been professional since 18, 23 now. Um, Still going for it. And now trying to break through into the senior um, British team, um, the hopes of... Paris 2024 Olympic Games. So and your me. and your observations and experiences growing up as a young man, is knife crime that was something that was prevalent around you in terms of you were sort of aware of issues that were going on? Has it been something that you've had sort of a, a close association with in terms of the impact of friends and family being affected by it? Yeah, definitely. Like the incident um, that Devontae was speaking about, like I was supposed to be there. Obviously, it was AJ's birthday, but I, I don't, I can't remember why I wasn't there. But like, yeah, like I remember it. Like, I remember even like after, like, because there was like quite a, there was a big number of us like that were all friends and like, like it was like I remember. I don't know if you remember like we went into like that drama room at school because the it, like, I wasn't it was a, there. had a big impact on. So- our school and stuff after it happened i didn't go to school for about two weeks yeah like yeah. there was a big obviously you weren't there but like th- like it was a big thing like a lot it's of a us, big thing like, because one one thing one thing that i feel like hit home for a lot of people was like like i was saying before that's when we realized you don't have to be a part of a certain type of life to be a victim of knife crime because mm. the Devonte is the last person you would expect to get stabbed. I feel like my my experience, like initially of knife crime, is just more like how are you avoiding not getting involved, like, yeah. whether being a victim or like a perpetrator. Like yeah. growing up, like it's more like how how do you like how do you avoid it? And it's yeah. very di- like it's like it's an difficult. obstacle course. Like, but that's that's difficult. that's what the the incident made it real for me. Is like you can just be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I feel like I had some sort of like guilt. Because like I invited my friend to come to my birthday, he's at my house. It's my birthday. I've I've like organized a gathering, and then he's ended up being stabbed and basically nearly losing his life. So I feel like that's what everyone was shocked by. Like I remember one of our friends calling us 
and saying like Devonte, and then saying nine times like like I said before. People when 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 people hear about the story, they're like, "What did you What did you do?" But I don't think people understand that knife crime isn't just a thing that's you know a, gal- a, a gang affiliated thing. You can just be in the wrong place at the wrong time just because of how you look or whatever you area you live in. So it's not something that's. I feel like a lot of context, like you said, there's a lot of social media nowadays. I feel like a lot of context is missing out of the videos that you see. You know, so you might see someone swinging a big knife, but you don't know he's in fear for his life, and he's not really a bad child. He's just that's the circumstances he's grown up in. And he's seen his friends be involved in it or he might have lost a friend and he's just protecting his life. So it's not justified at all, but I feel like there's a lot of context that's missing. How did you recover from that incident, Devontae, in terms of sort of, you know, 2016 it happens. How sort of many months or even years or even today has it taken you to sort of process what happened to you and have you been able to to sort of compartmentalise it and move on from it? I'm not going to lie to you. I was... Pretty strong world. So I wasn't really complaining about it. Mm, I wasn't really like down on myself. More so because I was also into sport. I did Muay Thai as a activity, which I couldn't do no more. So that was kind of a bummer. Mm. But because I had like friends around me, I had my family around me, they all encouraged me and had extended family, like cousins, aunties, uncles coming around. Knowing that they were there for me, it was kind of like helped me a lot. It was crazy because it it almost felt like even mentally it affected me more than it did him mm, in certain strong ways. Strong guy. Yeah, he's just a strong, strong guy. Even when even when he got stabbed at the moment, like I remember I came at my house, I saw him laying on the floor. I didn't want to go over to him until the ambulance came because I just didn't want to see that. But when I went over to him, he was still awake, still still conscious. He looked me up in the when he looked when you looked me in the eyes, I don't know if you remember, but he looked me in the eyes and that's why I was like, yeah, he's, he's gonna survive. Like that's when I knew this guy's like different he's he's got a different level of strength mentally and physically but then once you go through that process and you go to the hospital and you're and you're treated and 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 i think one thing i did want to highlight on this is that i think there would be a substantially higher level loss of life in london if we didn't have the fantastic people within the nhs that we do and the medical treatment they provide people that are victims of serious and violent crime so i just want to suppose give a shout out to all the doctors and medical uh, medical professionals out there but when you go through that process and you come out the other side of the medical part of that, you've then got the interaction with the police part of that. So in terms of when the police make arrests and you go through the court process and you're a victim of a crime and you compile a victim impact statement, what was that process for you like? What was that, what was that like for you as a victim of a serious crime going through that court process? Funnily enough, they didn't really interact with me that much. They were more interacting with my friends, obviously, to get statements. statements. Mm. But I feel like on that side, they were more aggressive because like, they will actively go to my friend's house and say oh we need this we need oh, that when that. they don't really know because most of them when it happened what inside the house the yeah. only really one that was outside was me yeah so they were kind of more do you think there was an immediate association that this could have been gang related yes of course. even in the 100%. hospital one of my wait one of the nurses were gonna bump into one of my friends with like the trolley but my mom said no they ain't, they ain't part of a gang they're just friends from school mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like that. They've got that, you know, obviously they've seen many stories before, so they think that every stabbing that happens is the same thing. gang related. And if you say a group of boys, they're just going to assume, oh, that's a gang over there. Yeah. Because we talk about this thing, unconscious bias, in terms of sort of, and we spoke about this off air, 
in terms of what we wear, how people perceive how we're dressed, and then sort of the stereotypes they may come out with. Was that some of the challenges, you think, in terms of maybe how some of your friends or the group sort of carried themselves in terms of what people may have perceived them to be quite wrongly? Yeah, also, as young kids, we like to wear easy stuff, track suits, a full set, maybe a big jacket, but that's what we're comfortable wearing. That's what we grew up wearing. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I understand... That's what you can afford yeah, I understand. Okay, you may have a lower perception. Let's say, like me, coming down with a big jacket, tracksuit, you may have, like, uh, maybe it's a bit dodgy, but that shouldn't be like your 100% opinion on that person. Yeah, based on be- what they're wearing. Yeah. yeah, it's like you don't know what they're doing. Like me, you see me, you probably think, oh, gang member, but no, I'm a electrician studying to get, well, kind of studying, but getting to my goal card and then pushing even further to get my testing expected probably even to go overseas australia i know that's good dubai america you but you wouldn't that. you wouldn't you wouldn't think that based off how how i look yeah or dress or walk and i feel like that's what needs to be you know spoken about in the police you know even it's, it's okay i feel like people need to understand it's okay to have that first thought because everyone has it everyone has like i don't know if the word the right word is like is it like is it prejudice or something like that? Like you have as soon as you see something, yeah, you we prejudge. Have, yeah, an unconscious yeah, bias, unconscious bias. Like, opinion. so like, mm. you know, it's it's okay to have that, but that shouldn't. You should have that training in the back of your mind to say, you know what, maybe that isn't exactly what I'm going to receive if I was to interact with this individual based like on what I think. That's my main thing. Like, I feel like everyone's programs, like, yeah, to even like, us to think a certain way. Like, even us when we see someone in like like you know a big jacket tracksuit maybe a mask on you're thinking you know this is this is dodgy but it's just down to you to know how to handle it hand, hand to, handle it. And especially you know being being a police officer i feel like you should be able to interact with those sorts of individuals and not you know have your actions based off what your initial well we, you know it's interesting because we've always said in the police one of the biggest skills that you can have is communication yeah. because it'll be the first thing that gets you into trouble and it's the biggest thing that will get you out of trouble and equally it allows you to communicate with people and you've got to be able to communicate with people on so many different levels and from so many different backgrounds yeah. and 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 from my perspective i suppose you can form that sort of early suspicion or early interest in an individual based on maybe their presentation mm-hmm. But equally, it still needs to be validated through communication. So, hi, AJ, how are you going? And then depending on that sort of response and interaction, I think sometimes often dictates the level of suspicion an individual or police officer may have as the good, the bad and the indifferent of an individual. You know, if they're forthright with information, if they're, you know, talkative and, you know, I suppose that's where it flows from. A hundred percent. And I feel like that's why it's important for even a community to understand that as well, because you just admit something that I've always kind of, subconsciously known that my response is going to dictate how they treat me mm-hmm. if I come into an interaction with a police officer. I've always known that being cool and being easy, if they want to say hi to you, don't be, you know, you know stuck up because you're just going to make more problems for yourself down the line in that interaction. Mm. You're going to raise your suspicion. Just be, just be easy. Just be, see, see that person as a person first before you see the uniform you know and you'll be able to have a better interaction with that person. I feel like, I, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like that's easy to say. Like, I think like, Everyone has to, like, remember, like, obviously police, they're trying to do their job in it. But yeah. at the same time, like, why should, like, why should someone who is not doing anything, because breaking you, any laws, because whatever, like, why should they, like, have to adjust how they, because a lot of people have a lot of trauma, like, a lot of trauma inside them. Like, 100%. not even, not even, like, directed at police but no, in one, their own life no like, 100% where we're from like there's a lot of issues going on no, 
100%. That's, that's built up for a lot of reasons. And then when you're kind of, when you feel like you're being picked out and whatnot, it's easy to say, yeah, no, nah, like, just hold it down. We we can say that for yeah, us because we've experienced life in a different way. We've we've travelled, we've, we've seen different things. But for someone who, bro, like an area like, a small area, p- people don't even leave the area. Yeah, but I bet you're like, saying that off the back of the impression that the police officer is going to have a problem with you. So, yeah, but that's so, that's that's and, and, exactly and it, what someone's thinking. Exactly, exactly, and that's the that's why you can't act off that because you have a desired outcome. So if you have a des- if I have a desired outcome, you know I don't want to be inter- I don't want to be interacting with police when I'm just walk- walking because you know the impression is they they're trying to suspect me or something. But if that does come into you know if that does occur. I'm going to make sure that I behave in a way that is it benefits my desired outcome. It's not about because like I said, if you're acting if you're if you're acting that very resistant, you're going to raise the suspicion, you're going to end up getting searched. If you do have something on you, you're going to it's going to get found, then you're going to go to jail. And if you don't have anything on you, you've been your your days inconvenienced for no reason. My my, so my, my thing is just like whatever the situation is, I don't allow my trauma or anything that's happened to me to dictate how I how I act because it's not going to how you feel isn't the reality of what is going to happen to you, if that makes sense. Like, so if 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 someone, if a police officer comes up to me, like I said, I mentioned earlier off air, that I um, one time I was walking my dog and the police officer came up to me. I had my headphones in. Someone pointed behind me. I saw there was a heavy police presence in the area. Right when I was on the way to the shop, they um they drove past me. They got out of the car. So I turned around. I had the headphones on. Turned on the music. He said, hi, oh, it's your dog friendly. I said, yeah, you can stroke it, whatever. I'm thinking in my head, why is this guy bothering me? Like, there's, I'm looking over the road. There's like, sorry to say, but there's like junkies over there. Th- this person, I'm like, there's so many people around here. You're picking me, but I don't care because I have a design. Okay, I want to go home. I'm just going to be cool. He said, Raj, is your, is your, is your dog um, friendly? I said, yeah, you can stroke it if you like. He said, if I turn you upside down and shake you, am I going to find anything that you, that you shouldn't have? I said, no, not at all. You can search me. Like, no, no problem. He said, you know what, mate? He shook my hand. He said, have a good day. And when I, when I walked away, I was like, I wonder how many incidents happen out out like like that, where someone just gets upfront about it, and they get aggressive, and now it's just long. There's you know so many diff- different situations and outcomes could happen. You might even not have anything on you, and you resist. Now they're saying you're resisting. Now you've gone. Now you've gone jail for the night, and now you've assaulting a police officer like it's just but do you think your attitude would be slightly different if it had been like the fifth or sixth time in the week that you'd been stopped 100% I, w- I would say to them that's a good question I would say to them like I've been stopped so many times why but there's still a way of doing that no matter what this, no matter what the situation is there's still a way of doing something like I'm not gonna like I said I always have a desired outcome my outcome comes first and then I suppose my follow up to that I suppose more broadly if we talk about right here, right now, yeah. do you think that police in London have an incredibly difficult task at hand yeah, in terms of the level of violent crime and homicides, murders in London with the use of knives? How do they try and identify? And, and there's obviously this police strategy here in terms of greater interaction with the communities because obviously you want an intelligence-led approach to stop and search so that the communities help you to try and identify the bad individuals, but you're not always going to get that. You know, how it, it, would you do you empathize with the police that they have a really tough job in trying to trying to navigate this? I don't I know, do, but it's their job. I, I don't know if I do, but I feel like that's more something you would have to say to us because at the end of the day, like, I think like we don't we don't really know, like, at then, like, we just see what we like, everyone just has their 
perspective perception of the police on yeah. police like and, and what is that and perception it's, it's it's just that like they're more or less just out to yeah, to yeah. get us i do think police like are trying to you know solve crimes mm. but at the end of the day i don't think that it's as straightforward as just coming it's like I, how i perceive it is like someone based more or less coming in your house yeah and it feels very intrusive and personal they want like you can't you i feel like you have for 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 there to be some sort of change or some sort of relationship because that's that's how there will be yeah. some Even sort me, of things like a relationship as and much as what i you say you can't begin a, like relationship needs to be like grassrooted like it has yeah, to begin has to be. from grassroots and be. it can't just be at the point of an issue like I, like what like for example like what have police done to earn your, your respect. respect like yeah yeah why should the poli- why should you because they're a human though isn't it no but why should you you why should you speak to a police officer like in in the manner that you're saying yeah you but, you, but when, i'm not when, talking when, about like when when, yourself. when like 100 percent of your idea of police is negative like yeah. you have to put yourself in the position of Them, someone the people who, that's been through who views every police time been in a crazy way. One hundred percent. And obviously, it's not fair on the police officers that are yeah, out right. there to to solve problems and solve issues. But it's just not the reality of like, yeah. How do you out are. of interest? I suppose a, a question that I'd have in in response to that because it's a very good observation that the police don't know the lives that you're living, the challenges that are going on within your communities or within housing estates across London. You know, since 2016, we've seen what I've often described as an apocalyptic reduction in funding for policing across the UK, not just London. So you've seen a reduction, a significant reduction in community beat officers. You know, our parents who lived in housing estates, my mother grew up in... um, south london and she would her family would see the same local bobby or the same local police officer all the time the same one coming through saying hello building a rapport understanding the challenges having a cup of tea walking in shops you know my grandparents grew up in lower marsh in lambeth and but i don't think we see that anymore i do think if you were to see the regular police that you'd see all the time you'd start to build that relationship is that the foundation that we need yeah we we don't we don't like my mum when she was growing up that she grew up in that brixton like you said she knew the police officers by their name mr this and mr that or miss this and they like they would they would be on foot patrol a lot of the time mm. you would see them i don't know getting lunch or whatever and they would just come by and every time they come around from from her words it's not when there's drama it's just they're just in the area mm. and it you know they want to uh, develop a relationship so like what you were saying it's 100 percent right that if your only interactions with the police from young has been a negative one Anytime they come around, they're taking your uncle, your brother, or someone. Anytime they come around, they're just harassing you and saying you look like a gang. You're gonna have that. You're gonna have that. You know, you're gonna have your your back against the wall and feel like you're like why are they here? Even me, as much as I haven't been harassed by police as much as mm-hmm. somebody else or a lot of my friends, but even when like if a police officer was to walk in here, I'll just the first thought is why are you here? Like you're just being nosy. But it's like I feel like that that it. There's a lack of education when it comes to understanding that, you know, they're doing a job, you know, and it's you just have to find a way to just oh, like just see that. So I think so. I think we all agree that policing needs to be in communities more. Hundred percent. 
it needs to interact with young people and families and society more to better understand their problems. And I think that comes with with funding and I think that comes with greater investment, whether that be from um, uh, City Hall and the, the Mayor of London's capability or within the Home Office and government funding policing. I suppose the second part of this is then and we look at the youngsters that are making the decisions and the poor decisions to carry knives either out of fear because they don't know what's around the corner. You know, only yesterday we were talking about, or off air we were talking about an incident that happened, I think it was yesterday, in a yeah. burger shop where a young man is standing in a burger shop with, a, with, a, with what appears to be a couple of friends and two lads come storming through the doors with knives the size of swords and before you know it, there's an altercation between the two. And within about three, within about a split second of the young man storming through the door, the chap in the shop pulls out what could only be described as like a machete. And there's just this back and forth, back and forth, which yeah, could have resulted in someone dying. Yeah, like, really serious. So I suppose my question to you as a group is, is that is there a genuine fear amongst young men? And I'm loath to use young black men because I, just, I, I think if we just say young men, regardless of ethnicity, a fear amongst young men that, I think there is the propensity for them to get hurt, so they've got to be able to defend themselves. I think it's kind of right to say young black men as well, though, to be honest, because, like I said, we were talking about how we perceive somebody of the, how they look, and mm. we, we have our own perceptions of our own people, our own black people, when we see them. You know, the, the immediate thing we might think sometimes is, is he a threat, or is he somebody that I know, or we don't really know. And then it turns into you're looking at each other, you're screwing each other, then it turns into, what are you looking at, bro? And then it turns into pride, and then, you know, there's an incident. And then I feel like there is definitely a fear of that because you don't have to you don't have to be involved in anything for something to happen. You just have to look the way that you look. So have you previously felt you've needed to carry a knife to stay safe? Definitely, yeah, I have, yeah. And then was there a conscious decision during that period that you were making the wrong decision? And then what changed that landscape for you to say, you know, actually carrying this is a bad idea? Personally, I can tell you that in the beginning, I remember, like, like I said, I started carrying a knife after um, well, the ones they got stabbed, and when I when I used to, um, it felt super wrong in the beginning, like super wrong. And then how I kind of justified it is one: if I get stabbed, like one anything can happen anytime just because of how I look. I don't have to be a I don't have to be a suspect to any crime or gang activity. I can just be a victim, like, just like he was. But and do you think I, you would have even looked more suspicious because of that fear that you were carrying a knife? For yeah. instance, around the police, yeah. you were probably a bit more anxious. Definitely, definitely. And that obviously that would show, that would radiate from you. But mm. um, I feel like then people, you have to remember, people are fearful for their lives. Like a life, there's, your, life your life is priceless, you know, and, and you, you begin to fear losing your life more than you fear losing your freedom. Mm. And when you see all these incidents, you know, this person got stabbed, that person got killed, this person got stabbed, this person got shot, this this happened. Then you start thinking, it's like, it's Russian roulette, it's going to come to me soon. And then you want to be prepared for that. And you don't want, you, you've seen, you've seen, we've already seen the effects of what happens when you get stabbed. You don't want that to happen to you or your family. So that's how you justify it. It's like, I'd rather do, you know, there's a famous saying, I'd rather get judged by 12 than carried by six. That's, mm. That just says it all. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, so, yeah. And then um, when it started to feel wrong was when I realised that you know although I'm protecting my life you're contributing to the problem and this and another thing is it's, it's a local problem so localities if I move away from that area I don't go to that area so much it's not an issue anymore and another thing is just that 
um, as we mentioned off air, like it's just God. Like we, we just fear God. If if you have that sort of or fear some, if you don't fear people and learn to to realize that nothing's really in your control, no matter how much you want to have in life, nothing's really in your control. Um, then so you faith for you has been a driving faith, factor, yeah, hundred percent. Then you'll be able to be comfortable with the fact that you know bad things happen and people die. That's just what it, that's in, in in a raw sense. That's what it is. You know, just you just accept that, and then that just turns into you know. I'm not going to contribute to a problem because you understand that exactly like me. Um, my like, you know, a lot of acts of knife crime are, are out of emotion. Mm. And if I'm carrying this emotion on top of a knife and there's a confrontation, you're going to, your, your first thing is going to be, you know, let me get my knife straight away. And then that turns into a stabbing. Then it turns into, so he's died and then you're in jail for life. It happens too quick. Like, a lot of people go through that and then, that's why you see a lot of people regretting what they've done because it's just an emotion. They're armed with a knife. They act. They act and they, and they use it, and then that's their life done. I don't want that to be me. So, but as but as young men, when you leave the house, and I'll do this in order, Devonte, you first. When you leave home, is it a daily occurrence? If you were to go walking the streets to go and get McDonald's, is there something in the back of your mind that says I've got to be cautious and I've got to be wary of my surroundings because someone may have a knife? Is it something that you're consciously thinking about yeah of course because like you just said anything can really happen like with that situation with the chicken shop i can just go in there someone can just see me and think oh he's, he's somebody else someone else or just i just don't like because him. he just looks he the same way and because obviously i don't carry that's the situation where i could just lose my life over a simple errand of just getting food wrong place wrong time and someone thinking of someone else yeah but well, he's messed up his life and also really messed up, up my family's lives because exactly. they just lost a son, a brother. Mm. And I've obviously got younger siblings who look up to me. Mm. So like you just ruined... There's so many things you have life. to weigh out. And that's why, it's, that's why I feel like the government and the police need to be able to realise that it's not justified, but you have to realise what people are you know, challenged against when it comes to picking up a knife. People like to say, just put down a knife, put down a knife. But then... That's it's it's kind of tone deaf when you're saying that because you don't actually understand what it's like to wake up, you know, and you know that if I leave my house, I could potentially be stabbed. As that's, you that's said, life. the the like the fear of like losing your life is greater than losing your bigger freedom. than losing your freedom. Like, yeah. that's literally it. <laughs> yeah, and then like, how I used to always say it as well, like when I used to carry, the way I used to justify it, it used to be like the queen when she got. You think the queen's going anywhere without any some bullets around her, like. <laughs> The, the, the police when they're in our areas they have tasers this that against the same people Kevlar. They, they, they're against the same people that we're against as well mm. so for you to just forget everything all the dangers of life and just expect us to put down a knife for the sake of a, a lower crime rate you can't you have to actually understand this is a real life issue and people are really have mental health issues as well physical issues because of this um, problem so you can't it's, it's not an easy decision to just you have to find faith you have to find faith. So a lot of my um, police commentator colleagues, you know, and there's a few of us that I suppose are on the, on the um, you know, appear on telly occasionally and talk about these challenges that face London. 
Some would say that we can't arrest our way out of this in terms of, you know, just arrest everyone, put everyone in prison, mandatory five-year sentences, that this has got to be a greater effort in terms of more investment in communities, in terms of youth clubs and showing young people there are opportunities, uh, you know, whether it's in the school environment, whether it's in the youth club environment, to give them some of that leadership and desire to achieve more than just this world of crime, which seems to be very easy to fall into. Um, Is there... At the moment, in your perceptions in terms of what you see, do we have a problem with gang culture in London? And is that because kids aren't shown the opportunities that do exist in society? I don't think gang culture is like, gang culture is everywhere. Like, maybe even like in places outside London, more so than London. Yeah. Like, I like, don't really feel I like, feel like gang, gang culture is kind of like old thing. school, personally. I, 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 don't, I might be wrong, I'm not in a gang, so I don't know how heavy, you know, gangs are, but... Personally, I feel like it's not gangs. Any Anyone I know that was in a gang, when you actually look at the relationships within that gang, it's not really a gang. That's just, they, they, they might have given themselves a name, but, you know, these are people that went primary school together, through secondary school. They've been in hospital, they've been in jail cells together, they've been, they, their, their parents know each other. It's not a, it's not really a gang. It's, it's more like just a group of friends that, with, with the same challenges, that have the same desires, and they move together. And they live in the same area. There's a community park for a reason and they might gather there. And yeah, I'm not just trying to be naive about the situation of mm. gangs, but I'm, it's, it's, it's a lot more complex than just, you know, people gathering and just creating a gang for the sake of being bad. It's like, there's a lot of like, like I said, we say social economic issues that factor in, in the way that they behave. And it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't really think there's a, there's a gang issue. I do feel like there's, social economic issues that you know make people behave a certain way collectively so, and the social the social issues if we touch on a couple of those you know we <clears throat> talk about you know we're going through a period of austerity in terms of cost of living going up mortgages going up rents going up groceries going up price of car insurance going up you know it's all very expensive and we talk about you know people losing their jobs and and life just becoming harder equally that must place a pressure on families to be able to provide for youngsters who say, can I have a pair of these trainers or can I get a new tracksuit? And those, and parents not being always able to provide. is that Does that incentivise people to, to sometimes go down a path of... Most definitely, because I've seen behavior. it with, with friends. Like, um, lucky enough, I've had a mum that's provided for everything I've needed and wanted. So I never really had that desire. That's why I didn't really understand why people done certain things, like robberies. I wasn't really motivated to do those sorts of things mm. like, the, like kids I'm talking about from when we was like younger than 11 they just want to rob and they just want to steal even just going to the yeah, shop they just want to grab stuff remember. but they have that they have that void there that they need to fill they have something that they need to you know they, they need them they're missing something at home remember what like you're, like you can your parents can provide for you like at, I'm speaking, at, yeah, a, at, a, at whatever age same for me my parents yeah. like any any like I've never gone like Ne- never not had dinner yeah. never not had heat and like and how everything like but like when you're in a certain environment like we're ambitious you might be ambitious you like that's true. That's a you, good point. You, i don't know you see uh ronaldo on the tv and he's got uh, like he drives a lamborghini i want to drive a lamborghini like how can i do that like what's my pathway like yeah. if i'm in a certain environment I don't know, like, where someone else who's in a complete different environment from the ends, like, they might their, dad, their, father, their yeah. dad, 
might just be the CEO. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he knows, hundred percent. Like, as long as I don't die, hundred percent, I'm gonna be a millionaire. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. As long as I just follow that's a, this that's path, a, that's you know a what very, I'm that's a very, like, very good point. It's like, but because the person that's in the ends is like, oh, some, yeah, they don't know ooh, any this other guy, way. This guy, this guy, he drives. Uh, a Lamborghini He drives a Mercedes I want to have a Lamborghini So I've got to do What it's, he does yeah. And more Yeah yeah 100% You know what I'm saying That's, that's where 100%. it starts Like It's cool to say like Just ambition. Oh like Like People's got knives on them But like Why do they even have knives In the first yeah. place That like, yeah. How's that started there's why, a, there's, there's an why does reason. Why does someone Feel the need To have a knife on them like, but you, How can How can that be replaced do, do you think The evolution of social media Has made us more materialistic In terms Definitely. of Wanting tangible items such as lamborghinis watches cars and trainers and it and it takes a lot more for people to be content with the lives that they've got definitely but i don't think that that correlates to crime because yes people do want things faster people do want things quicker but it's also way easier to make money i think it correlates to a particular when when we were when we were in school or like, like when we were in college bro like it wasn't simple like it wasn't super easy to get a job if i wanted to like live like live uh like not do crime to make money i can't like me just writing a cv and applying for a job it doesn't mean i'm getting a job put it like this and that's really really and truly the the main at that time the main way to make money whereas now when i I left school you can make money doing anything yeah when, when i left school and i didn't really i didn't really take an academic route because i don't really think i was fit for it so when I left school, I had, I'm a very ambitious person and I realised my, my retail job is not going to get me very far. And I'm seeing people coming, like customers coming with watches and this and, and all the things that I want. And I didn't know any other way to move forward and, you know, progress my life. So it was enticing for me to go back to my area after work and then come and see one of my friends. He's made £500 today and... He can. He has freedom. He can go wherever he wants, and he just bought some new trainers, and and then I'm going to work, and it's, and I'm getting just triple five hundred pounds a, a month, if that. Like, I feel like if you don't have the education that you need to understand that there's many different avenues, and I feel like that's what social media has done for a lot of people nowadays. You can you can make, you can monetize yourself online. So I feel like, in a sense, though, it does contribute to like we have a lot more watch theft nowadays. People know the value of watches now, so people are going out there to steal watches but yeah like back in the day couple, like 10 years ago if you if you're from an area and you wasn't even someone like because friends i was good to get a job some people don't even see the value in getting a job because they've seen their uncle make thousands of pounds a week you know just 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 selling drugs so it's like why would i why would i go and why would i go my uncle saying he will pay me 500 pound a week i feel like I, what what you were saying with like funding and these kind of things like from i don't know the government police like that's that's like really interesting to me because i feel like like someone who like doesn't if there's no opportunities like say like me yeah like when obviously i've always been motivated like to do athletics to initially if i'm being honest i always thought yeah i want to be successful in athletics so that like i can give my friends opportunities that like don't have the same talent as me or whatnot like i just want to bring everyone in like i want to be able to just help the people in my community and stuff but as you get like more successful like 
you start to think, I don't even want to go back. Like, to, I don't even feel like going back to the ends. Like, yeah, I don't want to be a mindset thing. Like, but that's where the but, education but comes. That's because the the in the in like in these environments, like it's like the vultures. Like, yeah. if I go back there, like I remember when I signed my my deal with Adidas, like. I felt like weird. Like I felt like you couldn't. Do I even want to? Do I even want to like see some of my friends? Like yeah. they might have like a mad evil eye against me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, because they don't have these opportunities. And that's but where then, the then that's where that's where it's like, how can police who are saying they want to help or the government who wants to help? Like how can they like set that kind of? How can they set set something up so that people that are there don't feel like they need to be vultures? Like why? Like how? Because because we need more role models like me, like like you, bro. You're you're do you're working, doing your thing. Like people need youngsters need role models like that to see. But you can't see me because I'll be honest, I'm not going on the block. I'm not going to the block. I'm sad in this day and age because I don't know how people feel. Yeah, but those youngsters need to see people like me. But they need to. But they do. They need to feel like a, a level of ease from the people in the community or i don't know funding or police to feel comfortable enough to not see someone like me and think oh let's go and rob him or let's go and do this or do that so you think you could be a victim of your own success 100 100 percent, like 100 percent. so where you met me yeah you know a customer came in he had a nice watch and he got robbed like 30 minutes later because he he walked out and someone saw his watch and he came back and he, he was telling me like just got robbed you know, he just wanted a safe place to just stand for a moment. And to me, like what you were saying, I feel like that happens because it's like how you see, how you perceive yourself. You don't see yourself as someone that can get that any other way. You don't even see yourself as somebody like, like you know, people, like, I'll just put it in the street terms. Why would you rob the plug? Like the plug, the person that supplies all the drugs. Why would you rob him? Work with him. You have nothing. Though. No, but work, work, work with him, innit? So I don't feel like people understand the, the value of like building relationships with people and maintaining a sense of like, a sense of loyalty. And they, and they understand that good things come from that. But I feel like what happens now is, you know, there's fast money and things like that. So people don't, don't have the patience. But that to me, it's definitely a, it's definitely a issue that police and government can aid but I don't feel like it's something they can completely like eradicate. I feel like the attitudes in communities need they, they just need to understand that you know there are opportunities out there. So as long as they understand there's opportunities out there, as long as they understand that they're actually capable of actually taking those opportunities, then their attitudes will be a bit different. And that's why I can speak because I always felt like I was capable of doing certain things, whereas my friends they didn't. Like I used to say to my friend, we can get one bus to Central London and have a completely different day mm-hmm. instead of just being on the block. And you can actually speak to people. Like I feel like kids need to understand that they're kids. I always understood that I was a kid. I remember, I used to go to Central London and just yeah, go. I used to go in. A, I used to go in a dealership, and they would treat me like a kid, and they would see a young, you know, aspirational kid, and they would say, "Yeah, you can sit in the cars and things like that, and you can you can have a look, and hopefully we'll see you here again." So when I'm having these conversations, I'm saying, "Bro, like we can actually, you know, people are rooting for rooting for us, but people imagine they don't this, see that." Imagine this, yeah. Imagine like just a regular day, like. A youngster, he's got his tracksuit on, he's got his ski mask on, he's mm. walking through the ends, and there's a police officer, and that police officer says to him, "Oh, how, how you doing? Like, exactly. you know, like, you know, you could like achieve whatever you want, like anything yeah. you put your mind to. Those little Imagine moments. he does that. Yeah. yeah. The difference, what the outcome that might have. Yeah. 
in he's not getting in, that in, in replace of the same thing and him saying oh if i turn you upside down like am i gonna yeah. find the knife on you imagine <laughs> the difference stop right there just 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 like in that young that young man's mind like yeah. just those two conversations 100%. like we used to go like we was like what in in secondary school we used to go to central london yeah. just to go and look at cars that we dreamed of having yeah, yeah. and that's because that we knew was all, all probably our parents like let, made us feel like we could achieve anything to support 100%. but some people don't have that from yeah, their yeah. parents they don't but they could have it yeah, from yeah, yeah, yeah. someone like a police and it's, tr it's true because i didn't even look you know at it like that that's why it's like when i speak i'm speaking from my experience so 100%. Like, I'm just deep in what you said it's was mad. It's just a sentence. What you said was, it's actually crazy what you said. Literally. If I turn you upside down, I'm not going to find anything for you. That that Even that assumption. But at the same time though, it's still, you know, it, it comes it comes down to education. So like, but I'm fortunate enough to have, like I said, have parents that educated me, uncles that brought me and let, let me see Central London when I was little and things like that. So, but that's where we're talking, we're talking about resolving knife crime and, and issues and things like that. That's where the police can do that extra thing of you know if they see somebody if they're not doing anything and they and they don't even feel like he's suspicious or they know he, or he looks suspicious but they're not gonna because you know sometimes I see police drive past kids and I'm like right they're lucky then they get stops and searched they, they look they're looking crazy the thing is like, I, they just I, drove past but like they could have taken that moment and said to them just spoke to, just spoke to them what's what, like what's going up today you're right or just giving them a a word of of advice or or motivation to say oh you know yeah you know you could do you know you can do anything you want to do and that they're not getting that from home. Hearing that from a police officer, I'll be like, rah, the world's not against me. I feel like both sides of the coin are victims. Like, police are victims of the the mindset they have towards... But that's like, why I say towards, it's a collective to, thing. Towards, like, I the, these environments. I can't understand. Like, 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 if you've been... If you've been shown... Just like how, like, we see police officers, they see us a certain way. Yeah. Because of... Just how they've they've probably grown up and the the picture that's been painted in their mind of it. But that's why so I feel like they're victims just as much as us. But they that like police actually have authority. Yeah. Like we don't necessarily. That's why I don't I don't like to like play the whole oh yeah we're victims that like, we're victims. But Same. we don't have authority. That's why I always bring like, responsibility. The law to us. is on the side of police, so that's why I feel like it's more for them to have an understanding to then pass on. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I, I hear that. But you can't when you give someone else the responsibility of your life, then you're making an excuse for anything. Like I could, I could easily like I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at the good parts of my life and saying that's why I'm like this. But there's plenty of reasons or excuses. Like we just lost a friend. I felt like I'll just say it plain. I felt like hurting people. So mm. I, I didn't use that to justify the fact that you know I can do it. I, I, I didn't use that. It comes down to a mindset and education and and. Like like I said, luckily, I would I have I have perspective of 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 life and what it could be, so I don't make certain decisions. But I feel like some a lot of people make an excuse. They make an excuse, and I feel like there's a lot that the community can do. In the parents and the households, that you know, the older brothers, the, the siblings, they can do something a bit more. Why? Cool. The police can say a good word to the kids on the road, but why is that not coming from home in the first yeah, place? It, now, I know the there's issues why it's and not everything coming from home is because they have issues themselves. No, one hundred percent, they have. They issues. don't understand just because someone's a grown up. Like 100%. someone, someone's. Like, I can it's not have, an excuse, I, though, bro. I have, bro, I've travelled the world, bro. My view on life is probably much bigger than yeah. a lot of people's grandparents yeah. who are from certain environments yeah. because they've never left 
A but you've seen there's a life. London. But you've seen that there's a life far bigger than living on yeah. an estate. Exactly. You've seen the insides of Heathrow Airport. Some people yeah. exactly. may have ever never. seen. Exactly, it. exactly. Never. So, so my friend never left. Parents, never someone's left. parents doesn't. They don't know how to how to tell their child yeah. what's right from wrong. Like hundred percent. They just try. Like, do you think? Do you think though, if we look back in history, there's been some key milestones where communities and black communities have been let down. 100%. Not only by society, but by policing for you, if you look. And there's been some instances here which, you know, people argue that there's probably a bit of both. But, you know, we had the farm rights way back. We had the Brixton rights way back. We've had a large-scale public disorder when we had the shooting and the findings of Mark Duggan, yeah. which caused, you know, massive issues. We've had the recent issues with the... And it's currently under investigation, so we won't go into depth, but we've got the, the Chris Carver matter, which yeah. is currently going on. There's been lots of occasions in history where, and the Stephen Lawrence inquiry is probably the oh, one just. which is most prevalent and probably in the front of mind, which led to obviously a, the, the McPherson inquiry. Those those in, those incidents leave bad memories and, and, and leave communities feeling let down, and, and that's eroded trust over time. And it feels like when we started to build that trust back up again, happens again. And we seem to then, you know, we just had the Casey report and, you know, incidents of racism, you know, uh, misogynistic, sexist culture. Um, it's, it, and then we then go back to square one again. And you think to yourself, you know, and, and I suppose I'm being critical of policing here in terms of allowing itself to go back to square one and equally recognising that the challenges which exist in communities never go away. They're always going to be there. But it's beholden on policing to understand that unless it gets in amongst communities, works with young people, encourages them and maybe reflects on having a conversation, which isn't if I shake you upside down, is there going to be anything on you mm. to hi, how are you going? You know, what are you up to? Anything exciting? Yeah. And engaging on, you know, that's probably what needs to, to change. Slightly. 100% because it's crazy because I don't even I don't even look at that as a problem when he said that. But looking back and after what you said, 100%. Uh, there's definitely things that police and the, and the government need to understand that they're not looked at as somebody, you know, you know, uh, admirable or to look up. yeah to look up to. Or they need things... to understand that the responsibility, even though it might be another unit from North London, you're from South London. You need to understand you work as a collective. So if something's happening over here, you need to understand that you need to uphold that 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 responsibility to make change. So. You need to every single interaction. You should remember that you know I'm, that I'm, I might be received a certain way because that's your job. Like you said, they have authority, they have a responsibility. They they what's it signed an oath or taken an oath? Yeah, so they need to office. Yeah, that feel yeah. favour. I don't yeah. think these things like like are accidents. Personally, like I feel like a lot of the incidents you mo you mentioned like that are like the riots, like all these kind of things. Like I feel like they're they're things that like hap uh, that. Like, whoever is in power of authority, like, allow to happen, like, to to control, like, these communities. They've always been because, the flashpoints. Because, because, like, I don't think that, like, it's set for these, for these communities to actually... I don't think people want knife crime to stop. 
Like that's what I you, think. Yeah, that's what you, I was gonna like, tweet last you're night. You're here, like actually, like trying to. That's what I was gonna tweet to, last to night. solve a problem, like or understand. I don't actually. Feel I don't like they genuinely want it, think so. that people want knife crime to stop. Yeah. Like but the, who's government, that? the government, the government, you know, the people within communities. I don't think police. they care enough. I think no, not the. I would say yeah, the go- the government. That's I don't probably think they care enough. I don't, I don't think they. If they did, then they could change laws. Like a lot of these things, like. Mark Doug, like Chris, like w- the way these things are so, like handled, it doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. if it, if it, if they wanted these things to, you know, if if someone is killed by police, you know what's gonna happen. Yeah, like there's no sense of like comfort, like for anyone yeah, in these communities to feel like there isn't. Yeah, Do you like, feel for some people. That when these incidents occur, it's almost the trigger point or excuse that they need to behave badly. Of course. You know, for instance, if you look at 2011, we had those riots and people were looting JD Sports and God knows where else. The focus is lost. But but that's, that's, I feel like... They're no longer arguing about the point. It's just... The problem, no, but the, the, the problem has already been, like, that's, that's the... the, Welcome. Yeah, that's the outcome but, of the problem. But, but that's like, why I always say, like, trying to point this. But this, I can see this conversation, like, it's going at who's responsible for what, and that's why it's good this conversation is happening because we're able to actually have a conversation from both sides and identify where both sides are going wrong. I don't think it's something that the government can do in total, and the police can do in total, and the community can do in total. There needs to be a collaboration. Like the the the, the communities need to understand that cool that there are a few bad apples or whatever they like to say and the government needs to understand that they're not people are not just carrying knives and acting badly just because they just want to do it and they just want to be lawless criminals that's that's not the case but there needs to be some sense of like responsibility on each side mm. for the for the greater good like that's why I, like, my, my, my mindset like is just i don't want to i'm not a victim to anything so even to the, no matter what it is, I can't excuse like bad behavior. I can't I can't excuse certain things just because someone done something to me. So I got a question for you actually. It like if if people in the com- in our community the communities we grew up in, yeah, like no 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 okay. So if people outside of the communities we grew up in were victims of knife crime, do you think that there would be it would be policed differently? One million percent. I can't lie. In terms of the demographic, so is is the scenario being, if we saw, for instance, more than one hundred and fifty people since twenty sixteen from a white demographic, do you think the policing would be different? I Um, think so. It's it's, you know what it's a tremendous question, and um, I'm not too sure of the answer to that one because, and I think that, and I think that probably is the point, is that. I think it probably would. I think there would still be the same level of outrage because if we see more recently, you know, the young man that we lost on New Year's Eve was on Primrose Hill was a young white man, and there was still the outrage that we've lost another young man. And that's why, you know, I said, I said off off air, is why do we always have to relate this to color or, or ethnicity? Mm. Because that I think I think for me, is, for, for me, I, I think the, the greater is topic is is that we're losing young people. I what think sense I know, like, but I how, think how the police deal with it. Like who's, but who's who? Who are the people that are like killing these people? It's it's black but people. I saw a tweet it's black about pe- that. Like I think I saw a tweet. I don't about that think that. Thing. I think if a lot more white people 
in from different communities that we grew up from were victims of this i feel like things would be things would be like things would be clamped down like there would be changes like i won't lie made like i, I don't know exactly how now. but i just don't think i saw things would be was handled in someone was saying on twitter that it's a, there was an outrage over the Primrose Hill stabbing and mm. someone said and I noticed it myself someone said it's crazy how when it was revealed that the suspect wasn't black like the outrage died down a little bit like because you don't associate it with you know just just uh, recklessness it might have been people are thinking what else could have happened then so it's not someone that's that's black that done it it's not just him targeting someone that's vulnerable there must have been something that happened and then that kind of almost like lessens your concern or justifies what happened so I feel like there was less outrage when people found out that it wasn't a black person I'm just going off Twitter I don't know if it was or wasn't but that I feel like there is a different attitude like in the community and the police to to different types of victims and colour does play play a part in that 100% I think the the voices the people who would be crying out would be heard like would have to be heard yeah. like whereas you don't need to listen to people from where we're from like yeah but what i suppose what if i put my police hat on for a couple of seconds i suppose what frustrates me and probably many of my former colleagues here in the uk and obviously from my experiences of policing overseas is that policing always seems to be the organization which is willed out to apologize for for mistakes yeah, or errors i've never seen a politician like we've been talking about, stand up and say, listen, I apologise for not funding the police appropriately in the last decade, which has left them under-resourced, unable to be in the communities, unable to meet with the young people, unable to do things they used to do. No one's ever said that. You know, I've never I've never seen it. All I've ever seen is very senior police officers standing out going, listen, we apologise. We've, we've let you down. We've tried and we've let you down. And I don't necessarily think that's a policing issue. Yeah. I think that's, you know, as we've quite rightly said, this isn't, you know, often we look at this and go, and at the moment people, you know, off the cuff say you know i'm sure smart rowley will will apologize again tomorrow for a mistake that's been made but you know this is an all of society and this is what we say it's an all of society approach yeah you know you know at the moment there's a lot of chief officers across the country rightly or wrongly identifying or acknowledging the term institutionally racist in terms of saying their organization is institutionally racist in terms that it has marginalized people from minority communities now for the record i don't agree with that terminology because i think it's a whole of society issue i think if we were to look across society the nhs mm -hmm. government policies policing policies you know i would i i i would look that i would say i reckon most communities that have struggled and continue to struggle through austerity through broken families are all let down by everybody in society which i don't think then just equally means that one organization's policies yeah. and the way they've policed is institutionally sort of racist is the term that's being used at the moment i think as a society we've let down certain segments of the community have been left behind definitely that but that's but that's why the, the same thing you're doing is what like black people or people from our community would do when they say uh the reason this happened is because the the, the government don't do this is like mm. everyone wants to pass blame but it's up to everyone to bear some responsibility yeah. so like so like so like that's why like when I say like I understand that if someone's been stopped and searched five six times and I haven't gone through that experience, so I'm at my attitude to being I'm just like just be cool when someone. But that would piss me off. Yeah, exactly. That exactly that pissed me off when you asked that. I was like, oh yeah, that's true. But at the same time, everyone needs to bear responsibility, and this is where it comes down to like, because um, you know when someone when when someone dies, like that's a heavy loss on that family, 
And if you can sympathize or empathize with that, then you need to bear some responsibility and change your attitude towards what happened. So that's why it's important. So like you're saying the police, you don't think it's the police's responsibility to always say sorry. Yeah, that's true. I, I 100% agree. But it, it shouldn't hurt to take up some responsibility and look at a way to educate, um, you know, schools or, you know, because it's like early intervention and tell them what the role of the police actually is. Because I don't think people actually know what the police are actually here to do. I don't think they understand how far their, um, their influence in terms of law changes or how they operate on the roads actually goes. I don't think they know like exactly what they do. So well, policing it, it comes down to education. Policing isn't a welfare organisation. I've spoken about this in the podcast previously where I've spoken about the challenges. You know, if you look at historically, you know, police calls into 999, into police communication centres, always used to be crime-related. Now one in five is crime-related because the police have become a service for mental health providers, missing persons, check on welfares, all these other sort of tasks which you could say are allocated to maybe the NHS or the paramedics or other bits and pieces. So, and, and then we, we look at that and we say, okay, well, whose problem is it? And then you look at the demographics of the young people that are involved in these instances with knives and often they come from quite broken homes. And I don't know whether this is an impact. It was a question I wanted to ask all of you. Devonde, I might start this one with you. Is do you think that the absence of, say, a father in a relationship, and I know you both come from families where you's got mum and dads, I know AJ's slightly different, so you'll have a different view on this. But do you think that having both parents in the relationship, a father to provide that leadership and sort of support to a son, as an example, is probably something that's missing in terms of young people that are getting caught up in this stuff? I'll say yes and no. Because like I say, my dad, he obviously encouraged me to do, obviously get into Muay Thai, boxing, kickboxing, mm. obviously in athletics as well. Also the end, and because he also likes to deal with, like, with his hands, mm. so that's kind of why I got into the... Like, Trisons a bit. Mm. So I'll say yes and no, because sometimes the father figure could be a negative influence onto the son or his offspring. Cause he, but, yeah, if he's, particularly if he's involved in crime. Yeah, so if he's that's involved all they in see. crime. But it also kind of depends. It's a weird one, because the kid can see that as, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And go a completely different path. Or say, I want to do that. And it's got up. I think what well, was the story of uh, two sons. The dad used to be abusive to his mother. Mm. I mean to their mother so one son said I don't want to do that at all and she has a nice family but the other son mimics the father yeah so becomes a learned behaviour yeah so I think it's kind of like I don't know it's a hard one because if you I I suppose I look at the scenario AJ that if you've got a single parent mum who's working a backside off to provide groceries rent mortgage utilities clothes all that to be able to achieve that needs to work generally long hours or work not be at home, you know, between, you know, the hours that you might be there. So so there's an absence there. And if you're if it's a single parent, there's a complete absence of another parent. And is that is that a disadvantage? One million percent, because then you look at ways to fend for yourself and then you start looking at you also miss out on just simple things of like conflict resolution. Or you look out like what one thing I've noticed with like me and my mum. Sometimes we clash because I don't feel like she understands just what it... Not me, just being a boy or being a man that has ambition. Well, who becomes a role model in that scenario? Exactly. So it can can become very easy to look out onto the roads and the streets and have people in your area become your role models very easily. Mm -hmm. I've just been lucky enough to not have to do that. Then does it not just go back to the environment? Because you can have someone who doesn't have 
uh, father figure that they they grow up just with their mum and they're in a complete different environment. They're not this just because of that. They're not gonna pick but up. This is knife. why you see all these. Like, they might do maybe do other things, but they're they're not gonna pick up a knife. It's about what 100%. you see. Like, but you see, when you step outside, like what are you seeing? Like, yeah. Who are you seeing? Yeah, what's going on? One hundred percent. But this is why I say, like we're sensible people. That's why we're here today. Mm. Like everyone needs to bear some responsibility and stop trying to pass the blame, even if the blame is on the fault of the government or the police, you need to take that responsibility on yourself for the sake of somebody else that doesn't have your capability. So no matter, that's why I always see... But the police aren't encouraging people to carry knives. No, no, I'm not... I'm like, what do you, you say that in response so, to you? So in terms of sort of like everyone needs to have some accountability and responsibility, if a young man or girl decides to carry a knife, yeah. they make that conscious decision. What, what, what can policing do to stop that? Okay, yeah, so they bear responsibility. What can policing do to stop that? It's earlier. It's way earlier than that. It's earlier than when it's it's early. Exactly, it's earlier than that. It's not. It's not when they're already carrying a knife because they've already done and seen things. So is it too late at that point? It's too late at that point. You need to focus on. So one thing the government can do. We've spoken about this already. Mm. One thing the government can do to mitigate the people that are already carrying knives and acting out with them is by strengthening the law. Now we was discussing that. I feel like. You know, they're, they're talking about Idris Elba Elvis trying to talk about um, banning machetes and the mm. production and the sale of them in the UK. I think that will help, definitely. But that doesn't change the mindset of somebody that still manages to get their hands on, on a machete. They're still going to carry it, just like guns. Guns are banned, but people that still have them, they're still going to use it. So I feel like what happened, what needs to happen is, like I said, like I was tweeting yesterday, I was saying that how often is it that a shooting happens and the, and the shooter is identified by face on CCTV. That's that's very rare because running around with a gun is not just a blase thing. They know when it's, as soon as you leave that, even not even leave your house, as soon as you have it in your possession, you can get, I don't know how long it is, like five years or 10 years for that. So they know the risk that comes with it. And that's because of what law is in place. So the, what the government needs to do is put um, a law in place, stronger laws for carrying a knife. Now, you know that there's different types of knives out there. I don't think that saying uh, 10 years for knives, for all knives, is um, is going to be effective because then there's no difference in the risk of carrying a knife. So if you're going to take that risk, you're going to carry the longest one. So you have to actually go into the mind of a knife carrier. It might sound silly to someone that, that doesn't come from where we come from, like, you shouldn't carry a knife anyway. Why, why are you trying to mm. aid how or choose how they, like you're kind of letting it happen, but you're, yeah. you're controlling it. That's not what I'm saying, but you have to go into the minds of people that carry a knife. So the person that carries a knife, they have two interests. Their interest is to protect their life and not go to jail. That's the two interests when they're carrying a knife. So you have to kind of play with that to mitigate it. And then when that, when that happens, then you can focus on eradicating it. So what the government can do on their behalf is I think long, I think sentences should increase with the length of the knife. So if you're carrying a small little knife like this, then, you know, you might get two years. If you're carrying a knife like this, you get five years. If you're carrying a knife like this, then you get I 10 think, years. I and I feel like what, what what that will do is just make them, make people that are carrying a knife think twice. And I don't think that's make it. I don't think that's going to change anything. I think, will. I think, as you said, Can't bro, like, like, as you said, the, the, like, the issue, like, is, 
it, bro, it's way before that. Like, how no, how can how can you take someone's mind away from no, fit from their their fear of their safety? I'm talking about. Remember, we said it's way before, yeah. But I'm talking about the people that are already carrying the knives. What can you do to reduce the the threat of that they that they produce when they're carrying a knife? So those those are those people. There's there's it's too complex to just say. It's too you have to you have to tackle this problem in like in parts and be very strategic about it you have to understand the, the the person that carries a knife just like when you carry your gun you have a certain attitude when you when you carry your gun you're going to wear your gloves you're going to put on your mask you're not going to be seen on any cctv from the minute you, you leave your house because you know that so you're see, saying ping, people ping, who are who are actively carrying knives people that are actively how do you how how do you minimize the risk that they put that, that that they put on to society you have to now cool you can say ban a knife but if you're going to carry a knife and you put like say you put 10 if, if you increase the laws for all knives you get 10 years if you get found of carrying a knife if you if you do that yeah that's good and i'm sure that would definitely reduce the amount of people that just carry knives anyway but the people that are going to yeah it's not going to make a difference in the threat that they make that they that they bring because carrying a small knife is the same as carrying a big knife do you know, do you know what i'm trying to say so if you if you make different laws for different knives yeah then you you you're you're aiding their interest, which is not, I'm not trying to say that's justified, but you have to work with it because we know that violence is just a thing. It's just a thing of life. You just have to. Does it, you know, what? there's a, there's always a couple of points which I think are always quite interesting is that if the four of us are going out one night and I choose to carry a knife um, for the purposes of self-defense or, you know, I'm actively going to challenge someone who I don't like or is from a different area. Yeah. And you three all know that I'm carrying this knife and that's going to be my intended purpose. If I actually find that individual or an individual and I inflict my knife on yeah. them, which results in them dying, yeah. is that we can all be held accountable regardless that you're in possession in terms of this joint enterprise, your knowledge of me carrying this weapon. I wonder whether there's also got to be a greater education piece around the knowledge of if you've got a friend or a mate, allegedly, who's carrying a knife and you know what they've got it for... What are the ramifications to you? Your life's yeah, gonna change that's overnight. That's why I had to stop. That's why, like, when I got to a certain level, like in like my sports, that's why I had to stop like being around certain people because it's not even a case of if you know what like that person's got a knife on them. Like, if a, if if you know how your friends are, like, mm. if I can meet AJ, like, we can leave here and I can meet AJ tomorrow. If I know he's a certain type of person. I don't need to ask him, oh, do you have your knife on you? Like, I'll just, I'm just going to know, like, but, and and if something happens, then, like, I'm going to jail. Like, we didn't have a conversation saying, oh, did you have your knife on you? And it's not going to be proven. So there would be people, there would be some people previously in your network where you would be worried. So it's, yeah, it's just, I feel like it's just for you to, to. No, the influence. Yeah, you got to, like, Mm. that's why, like, you can't, yeah, like, I know if I'm around certain people, like it's highly likely that I'm I just, be around. I, I just, like, I just, I just think the government more. just needs to put stronger laws in place and carefully think about what they're doing. Not everyone's going to agree with what I think. I think that will be a very effective. I've, I would love to see that go into play because I, I, I can't see no other way around it because I know how criminals think because I've, I've grew up around them. So no one can really say. But are some, of, but are some of the people carrying the knives? Would we, would we? Would we describe them as criminals? Obviously, they're breaking the law, right? But are, yeah. are we? But are we also? But could we describe them as people that are? I, are, are there's obviously two categories. Are these people that are actively out there committing crime? So they're exactly. carrying a knife because they want to commit crime, or 
Have we got people carrying knives because they're fearful? And do you know why that's and do you know why that's exactly and do you know why that's a good question? Because it highlights the mindset that there's a criminal that's gonna pick up the knife no matter what the law is, and there's someone that wants to protect their life. Yeah. You have to have you have to have laws in place that kind of, you know, play play with that dynamic. So, like I said, someone that just wants to carry a knife and they just wanna do they, they don't care what the sentence is, that's what they're gonna do. Someone that it's just carrying a knife, which I feel like is the majority of people personally. I feel like majority of people that are carrying the knives nowadays are just fearful people. So, like, I know yeah, some like people. AJ I know, I know, saw his friend get stabbed. Exactly. And picked up a exactly. knife. Exactly. That's just like, me. You're a victim. Exactly. Because that's why I can. That's why I can say. You're a victim. That's why I can. That's why I can say. I know what will be effective because that's most of the people. Most people, and and I know people like from the, I know from where I'm from. They'll just think we're just look like want to be lawless criminals carrying a knife that's why people say people say i'll oh, put down a knife they don't understand what, what they're really saying so so in that I scenario like, so if we so if we take that scenario yeah of Devonte being the subject of knife crime yeah you witnessing that you're seeing the whites of his eyes yeah and and you and, and it's a traumatic experience for you to go through yeah so immediately you think if it can happen to Devonte, one of the nicest me. guys around it can happen to me i better start defending myself yeah the solution possibly could be or one of the solutions could be is that at every knife incident where we identify a victim who's got three or four mates around him is to immediately support those individuals. 100%, 100%. So they don't go through the trauma to go, right, I've now got to defend myself. You, are, you ask that question um, to me in the yeah. selection of questions and that's mm. definitely one thing you can do because it affects everybody. Like when, when you see your friend get stabbed, you know, there, there should be an immediate, you know, some care yeah. or recommendations of, I don't know, maybe therapy or activities that can help the people around them. I don't feel like they're 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 thought about enough. Definitely. So within policing, there's family liaison officers who, and and I think Devonte probably would have got some of that support from yeah. from police officers who who support the family through giving them an indication what's happening with the investigation. Yeah. You know, building that rapport, understanding what happened, and probably that could be extended. Maybe it doesn't even even have to be police. That's, that's what I was going to say. You know, some organisations wanna... which can come in and go yeah, right. Who were the kids that were there at the time? We need to yeah. make sure that they're supported. They're not going to. It has to be somebody or organisation outside of the police because some people just don't like the police. They're just never going to interact no. with the police. They're never going to accept any form of help. They're always going to think there's an ulterior motive behind the interaction with police. So that, that's that that definitely needs to happen. That we're organised. I know there are probably there are organisations for us as well. You think they are? Yeah, because obviously, like he said, most people don't want to go to police to end off. Yeah. Mm. So they'll go to either like a community centre or probably even schools to like a favourite teacher. Yeah. Or maybe to like an older, they go into like have a relationship with just to talk about it. Mm. So obviously the whole point of really community centre is to try to get youths off the streets or yeah. try to get them back, mm. like make their brains tick. Yeah. 100% because it's a non threatening environment, yeah. yeah. Some is a safe space, or the perception is, yeah. Safe do, you remember, space. do you remember when in Pollard Hill when they were gonna um shut down the youth club? Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. They were gonna, there was a youth club that everybody went to that was a like a safe zone for everybody. You could record music there, you could play pool, and the government wanted to shut it down because of funding. And it was only because we've done a petition in it in school, I think so. Yeah, I'm I, I, I imagining this, or was Boris Johnson involved? I can't. I can't even remember, okay. you know. Am I bugging? I yeah. So, but remember. something happened where something happened where it didn't. They didn't end up closing it down. But there needs to be more funding. Like I remember, I was walking today. I was walking today, and I saw that the government announced two point five billion for the war for Ukraine. I saw that. Yeah. We seem to find and out. Yeah, seem to find money. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I don't feel like people actually want to solve. I don't think they want to solve. <laughs> like, it. That's. I, you I can, was thinking like, this last night. Really I don't think. Can, I don't yeah. think they. 
I don't think they actually want to solve the. So here's so okay. So I've got another big question because, you know, it would be amazing to think that maybe as a result of this conversation that the four of us are having, that young black guys in community see this and go, do you know what? I want to make a difference. Yeah. You know, maybe the police is something for me that I could do and I could have these conversations and I won't approach some guy and say, if I shake you upside down, it's not going to fall yeah. out. I won't have those stereotypical attitudes. I'll have a conversation, build that rapport. And if from those conversations, something down sound right, then maybe I'll explore it more. Yeah. You know, we often want to have our police to be representative of the communities that we look out for, which means a broad representation. Police officers from all different backgrounds. But policing has always really struggled to recruit people from ethnic minorities or you know ethnic communities to be to come and to support and be part of that that change is there is there anything that policing could do that you could see in terms of encouraging more people from different backgrounds culturally to join policing or is it just something which is not accepted why, why do you think that this that people from those backgrounds don't want to that is hard. I think it's a historical thing. I th- I think parents and families have grown up seeing policing as you've described and probably discouraged it. Do you, do you know what I think? When I see someone that wants to be a police officer, personally, I think you just want to you just want to have some sort of power. You just want to grab criminals and get them off the road and for no regard of what that person's actually going through. So I feel like in order to get people that come from where we come from to want to join the police mm. is is teach them what the actual job actually is, is to protect and serve. There should be some honour within that job. I don't think there's any honour in that the job. The thing is, People when, when I see someone that looks like me, that's a police officer, I just think like, Why you're you wanna... not, you're not, you don't understand our community because, yeah. but do you because see in, as... my, in my head, yeah. police don't understand like us. So but if, that's you're, why they would if say you we need want more to of be us. a police officer, then you don't understand. I do agree. There should be, if if there were police officers, if we became police officers, bro, like it would help so much. It, but, it would help, but we just, but as again, like I don't think. So what's that, stopping you? I don't think that the authorities what's actually want me? want to solve our problems. What's, Therefore, exactly, the, the police are not the solution. What's stopping me? What's stopping like, me? Being that police aren't actually here in my head to to solve this exactly. problem. Exactly, that's what they're just there to enforce the law, and that's why I wouldn't. That's what's stopping me. I don't see the police. If I want to change crime or change something, like I mean, societal impact, I don't see joining the police as the way forward to do. As much as you're, what you're saying, doing is just imposing whatever the government says. Yeah, as much as you're saying, like I genuinely believe, like you, like are trying to help, like you want to help, like, and that's why. I, and but but I don't think that the people who you would have to answer to are in line with that, and that's where yeah. I think the problem is. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Like, and that's, that's why I always say it's like a government issue. I don't really see there's anything the police can do. Like when I see some like a like a black police officer, I see one someone that's not from our community, or so, one they are from our community and they have some sort of grudge against yeah, our community. Yeah, yeah. And two, they just wanna like they just wanna enforce the law and just get criminals off the road. So I just I just don't and with no like. But policing is far much more because often that can be the perception of policing. That's what it is, though. Is yeah. arrest bad people and get them yeah. off the road, yeah. and it, and it's far much more than that in yeah. terms of it's. It is victim focused. It has to be victim focused in supporting people, the victims of crime. It does have to be crime focused in terms of identifying bad people doing bad things. Yeah. You know, if you look at the evolution of terrorism in our society, tragically, you know, we've seen instances across London where we've had that. Um, you know, there are so many different aspects to it, and I suppose it does sadden me a little bit to feel that if that, if that's a reflection of three people sitting in front of me, 
that you know the perception of sort of somebody if you see from your community in policing doesn't understand you or or has maybe got a a gripe with your community then i would imagine if that's just a a small picture of three people then that you could probably expand that out across probably most of your community and we're not even like there's people that's way that's we're not we're not the people that i feel like we're the calmest people yeah Yeah, we're not we're not the people that yeah as much as like we like i might have like as much as I might have like carried a weapon in my past or whatever, you have to remember that it's not just criminals. Like you mentioned earlier, it's not just criminals. It's fear. It's fear. That was kids. fear. That wasn't to it's commit fear. crime. Exactly, it wasn't to commit crime. It was. It was fear. So I feel like f- for then you to go into that job and then want to um, arrest somebody like me, I don't. I, I don't feel like you have my best interest. Now that's why I don't see it joining the police as the problem solver to this issue because I feel like there's many like different like societal and economic and you know many all those buzzwords that can resolve this issue does it bother you that there aren't many black police officers joining not really not really do you think it bothers communities no not at all do you think do you think for them it'd be i'd rather i think i think yeah Yeah. i think i've definitely looked at black police officers and thought look at this (laughs) 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 it sounds bad but that's genuine i think because again i don't see police as people that are trying but to help this is like, why I, I genuinely don't that's not what i think but, their motive to, is. But, it's, but in terms of when you see them that they're not there to generally help is that because do you think do you empathize with the fact that they're going from job to job to job and they actually don't have the time or the funding to help yeah that's that's to do what we're yeah, doing I now they could never i don't do. think it's that individual yeah, i yeah, think yeah. You, what you're representing you yeah, organization. yeah yeah that's that's what i think uh, and and then it's like and teachers, then for, for, like, for us to know if that if i wanted to be a teacher because I have a passion to help students mm. and then now I've gone to this school and that school's whole curriculum yeah. is away from me help, yeah, trying yeah. to help kids. I'm not going to be And I feel like for us to recognise that, you know, you don't have much power or or influence in how you operate as a police officer, for us to recognise that outside of the uniform, when you do see someone that, like that's, that's like you in uniform, you're thinking what motivated you to do that and it us it only comes from like spite that's what we that's what we can only recognize it must just be spite but that's why it's important i want to change that attitude like i don't want kids to have that attitude so say, good. it sounds to me that that needs to be done very early on yeah it needs to be done very early on that, because here that, we are it, in our 20s and our 30s yeah. and we've got these ingrained unconscious yeah. biases whereas if yeah. we were to if if we were to be those police officers that rock up to the kindergartens <laughs> or the primary schools or the high schools yeah. And, and kick a football around. You know, there was nothing 100%. more impressive than watching that cop play basketball during, you know... People love it when an officer dances at carnival because it's yeah. like you know you're mad? including yourself in, you know, you're, you're, you're relating to us. Do you know what's mad? Like, um, obviously, you know the film Bad Boys? Yeah. Mm. Like, obviously, I watched that, like, quite young. Yeah. But, like, I, I like looked that. at them... <laughs> 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 I, I looked at them and I thought, these guys are cool. Yeah, man. 100%. Look at them. Because and they then, had and some... Then, and then I got older and I was like, how could I think these guys are cool? They're police no, but, officers. No but, no, but they are cool though. But they, they are have, because... Because they have because say in what they do. Before my perception of police officers was created, yeah. they are fighting crime. 100%. They are the good guys. 100%. Like, that's They're who... The but then, 100%. like, I've grown up why, now. That's why I look at them like... But that's why the government needs to fund the police so that there's able to police officers are able to like maneuver within their role to you know have some sort of say with like you know in bad boys or whatever or in America I don't know if it's like this really and truly in America but 
they choose what cases they want to investigate. They choose how they operate. They choose how they're going to tackle certain issues. I don't, I don't really know if it's like that over here. So I feel like that's what made it attractive to, to us. Because I used to look at bad boys like, yeah, that's cool. Like, you're chasing all the bad guys. You're doing... I've even said it to even you. Like, black offices like, like, well, I, like, being, a, being a, like, a private investigator, that's actually a cool job. But even this attitude that we have like when it comes to snitching, like when it comes to like you know snitching and not 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 giving the police the information, that will just stop somebody from doing that that sort of role. Mm. So I feel like there needs to be some sort of honor and some sort of like um, I know it's, I know it's not in your hands, but it needs to be some form change within the police and how they operate that allows police officers to be more flexible within the communities. To, to allow them to... And I think that will come with time. If you yeah. see sort of the new Met for London plan increasing community yeah. policing, you know, if sadly in the last decade we've seen countless police stations close across London. Yeah, I know it's... Uh, which has meant that communities haven't seen local police officers, no. you know, in their areas. I only see police in cars. When I see a police on foot, I'm like, what's going on? I don't know. I don't that. see them in undercovers. Yeah. There's not There's one police officer that I like. No, no, like, yeah, same. Like if I, I saw know. this police officer, like, the only police officer, him. and then, like, cool, we had a police officer at school, but oh, no one took him seriously, yeah, like, <laughs> Mr. We had Miles, a, PC yeah, Miles. we had a, P, a PC, at, like, he was like, he worked at our school, but <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, no one took do, him you, do, do you, do you, do you buy into all you know, the the conversations around policing being institutionally racist? Do you think... I, I definitely don't. do. I, do you know what you know? You don't, you do. I do, definitely. See me, you, you can t- take what I say as a, with a pinch of salt, but at the same time, you, more than that, because sometimes my, 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 like, I don't like to have a victim mindset. I don't like to believe that. I'm not saying that's a victim mindset, by the way, as well, because that, it, like, it's a valid opinion, but I just don't like to... Yeah, but you, know what I'm you, you not wanting to, like... Make your actions like n- let that. No, but it has a, but it ha- affect your actions is different. No, to, but it has a direct. If ref- whether you think that is true. Or no, but it has a direct. But no, but it has a. It has. Uh, effect on my perception of what I believe possibilities can be. So, like, someone will just believe police and this and that is institutionally racist, and that will limit them in what they believe they can achieve or what they believe they can do or who they are. So what, what just quickly in your I'll start with Devonte. What does the term institutionally racist mean to you? It's just basically the whole like institution is just racist against a certain demographic. Yeah. Sure. So I'll say I think mostly it would probably start like chain command. Yeah. Whoever it is like constable or inspector, then it just gradually goes down. Sure. I think it's that like the foundation of that whole setup or that whole environment, that whole institution, like the the foundation, like not the people you see, but the roots. Or the origins. Of yeah, and origins and like morals and those things. You believe are, there's like things in that's, place that That's what I would us. say, yeah, that's racist. Like they wouldn't be, say you're a police officer. It's not yeah. that you're racist, but yeah. it's whoever's... It's an institution. <clears throat> The people who you don't even know that are in control of... So the organisation writing the policies, the procedures, how we do our work. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like what you said is historically, mm. policing back then was racist. Like they all yeah, pick up. definitely. And yeah. like my uncles growing up in Brixton, the stories I've heard, I can't lie, the police definitely showed some signs of racism. Because at the end of the day, like it's obviously, yeah, like... Or back we could in the all day, talk definitely. About, we could all probably talk about like our... Our family members who are a lot older than us, yeah, like literally 
And sometimes when I talk... Experience racism, but like... That doesn't necessarily just go away, but because you you can't, you can't be racist like in front of people in twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do that. So when I talk, when when I speak to my like my uncles and that, they've got like they will never change their opinion on the police because, but their 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 opinion is bad. Yeah, and but it's valid though because of their experiences. Yeah, their 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 experiences. So you you have to kind of like sympathize with that. But obviously, the police is, you know, for us to even. Or for me to even have my opinions, obviously it's improved in some ways. I don't feel like racism as 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 prominent as it is as it was back then, as it is now. Mm. But I feel like um my idea of institution institutional racism is kind of what these two said. It's just the institution have things in place that don't favour people from our communities. And yeah, that's that 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 definitely is there. But at the same time, I all can I can just see flaws on both sides so i just feel like within our power everyone has to do what's within their power to change do you know what's mad like like when we were in school like everyone had the the mindset of like oh like the police are the enemy like everyone that's just how we we all looked at that no one liked police like that's just where did that come from wait yeah so so me i actually didn't have interaction i actually didn't have Mm -hmm. that that mindset like i was actually open like like yeah. oh like why like why should you feel like i genuinely didn't have that mindset until one day i remember year 11 yeah we got stopped we, it was, oh my days i'm so glad you were there story I was yeah. about literally that, literally yeah we oh, i'm so glad yeah, you were, we were there bro. literally we had yeah. so year 11 like we'd finished like we just had our exams so we weren't like going to classes so we would leave we would leave school like early. Or something so yeah once you do your exam like you can leave and we we're all in uniform there's probably like four of us like we're just walking up the road the dr- the van drives past us and then dri- drives back i can see it you, you <laughs> just know you just know we're in we're literally it. in school uniform right they stop us yeah they stop us and i'm obviously my parents that like, have educated me that like, so behave. i'm yeah i'm i'm calm so obviously they stop us they're like oh yeah where are you guys going blah 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 I'm just like I'm just like like why have you stopped us like blah 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 what's going on that like? they're like they're like oh yeah this area is like suspicious for like crime blah blah blah. I was a little then, stabbing in Labbath and somehow they're in Merton. Then yeah then us. then then I'm like I'm like yeah but like we're literally in school like we're, school, <laughs> we're literally in school uniform. Yeah. Then they're like yeah well we need to search you guys and then yeah, I'm, like, I'm like I'm like oh, yeah, I, obviously because I knew like my rights I was like well I'm 16 so. You can't search me unless my parents are here. Yeah, yeah. Then, then, every, um, bro, you got searched, didn't it? Did you get searched? Gave them my blazer, but that's about it. Bro. Because when I called my dad, it was like... Couple man got searched. Yeah. I was like, unless you guys bring my parents here, then I'm not, you know, you're not searching me. Then they were like, oh, okay, can you call your parents? So I called my dad. My dad goes on the phone, says, yeah, you can't search him. Then... I didn't get searched Then we just kept it moving The fact that you didn't even then get searched Shows that, that they weren't even exactly, acting off anything Exactly like. but, but after that day I was like Nah man I can't like so I don't I like that police what that, what that demonstrates to me Is the importance of those interactions 100%. Yeah exactly And those conversations can damage yeah. Or impact The perception of an organisation You know in this in this instant Police But that's forever. like That's my only encounter with police That yeah. they've never And it's a bad one Exactly yeah, yeah. That yeah. They, I, I'm 16 Like but that's and that's my forever. first encounter with police yeah. and that's how they move and bearing Formal. in mind i'm defending them 
Because yeah. no one that I know likes police anyway. Yeah. But I'm defending them. That's my first encounter with them. That's how they're moving. My parents have shown me the law. They've confirmed that's the law. And they're still... They're, yeah. they're just... Like, imagine like... Imagine like... This is my area. This is the area we live Every in. Day. And people are driving past, walking yeah. past and seeing police. Just interrogating us. It's making yeah. us look bad. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's quick. Like, I didn't get to say this before. So, it's like me I'm going so to work. i there, bro. Mm, me going to work. Obviously, I kind of dressed a bit baggy because I work on a construction so, site. Mm. But getting stopped like in the middle of Victoria Station is embarrassing. Yeah. Just for like a pencil, like a Rosen pencil where you can take out the lid. Then one time I was going to work with a tool bag. He told me, someone, one of them told me to empty my tool bag. He was like, why? Like, I'm going to work. So I've just been a theft around the area that, that doesn't make sense because I'm going to work with my tools. So I had to call my boss up. It was it's, it's it's embarrassing. Because yeah, yeah. you're in the middle of the road, you got like, Five police officers ganging up on you, basically. I'm going to work. Like, I'm actually trying to do something in my life. And then you're stopping that, basically. Like, embarrassing me in front of people going to work as well. Like, in front of my workplace as well. So I had to yeah. call my boss and say, oh, explain the situation. But yeah, he works for me, such and such. But it's just embarrassing. It's like, most of it's just an inconvenience to me now. Every time I see them or interact with them, it's just an inconvenience. Yeah. It's just bothersome, really. Yeah. Sad, it's, it's, you know, those interactions, those small moments which stay with people forever mm. form the basis of sort of, you know, people's thoughts and feelings. And I think for me, what I'm hoping to get out of this more so than anything is, is first of all, a conscious of time and we'll sort of head towards wrapping up, is that people will better understand why knives are carried. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think we've sort of come to the conclusion they're not carried to go out there and, and hurt people necessarily they're not out there to to rob people necessarily it's there to defend themselves because they fear what else is going out in society and they want to be in a position to defend themselves because they're fearful so how we've got to break down those cycles of fear and how we do that in terms of interacting with the community getting in amongst communities and looking at you know there's you know there's a violence reduction strategies which are going on but i think that's one really important point the second one being that the interactions that we have with communities is vital and needs to start at a very young age that we're not, you know, that policing, I always say of still, you know, that we're not baddies, that we're not, you know, that we are here to help, that we're not just, and, and it is tragic. There will be certain circumstances where youngsters do see family members being taken away because either, you know, they've done something wrong or, you know, there's a domestic violence incident and the police have got to respond and deal with that. You know, th those are always hard challenges to get over because young people just have to sadly be exposed to that because that's the, the environment they're in. But I think proactively policing just needs to get in amongst schools and, and have okay. conversations. And, you know, and we've had, you know, you know, some summer projects where, you know, there's been activities for young people to come in an environment run by police yeah. so they can have those interactions and they can and, and they can and they can almost socialise with police in a non-threatening uniform based manner. And it doesn't you know? have to be like don't do knife crime, don't carry a knife because they know that. It has just has to, like, like I said, you know, make their capabilities flourish, their experiences, their perceptions mm -hmm. and build that relationship with the, with police officers so that they understand that you're, like, you're just a human. You're just... But I also want police officers that listen to my podcast who are still operational to understand that that one interaction that they may have with a Devontae, you know, that doesn't have to be or, you know, you know, Exactly, yeah. make that experience something that yes isn't isn't the most pleasant experience at all being stopped by police but don't make it one that stays in their mind forever yeah
you know, and I think that's about explaining the process they're going through and what they're doing. And again, it comes down to communication. You know, why am I doing this? You know, as you say, being stopped by school when, for when, no apparent reason. And then, well, you know, they, they may felt they have a reason, but it didn't go anywhere. It has stayed with you forever. Could I ask mm-hmm. a question? Like, are police always busy? Like, when you see them in their cars and they're just driving, are they always on something? Are they always I, I, doing something? I would say at the moment that every police officer you see in that car will have probably anywhere between 10 and 15 investigations Okay. that they're looking into they'll be they'll, they will be going from job to job yeah um you know uh, I, I would suggest at the moment in the current climate they are all incredibly under pressure okay because i was because then i used to talk about the in- interactions like i was just wondering why doesn't why don't they just jump out their car and just say hi well there should be more of that yeah and i think and, and i that's think down to funding yeah exactly and i, and I think we're going to see more of that over time i think with you know particularly here in london i know we've been very london centric but that's where we've all got experiences from but I think over the next 12, 18 months, two, two years, or generally under the, you know, the tenure of Sir Mark Rowley's you know, commissionership, this new Met for London as a result of the Casey report, which was incredibly damning, and um, you know, the, the trust and confidence in policing in terms of when we see those horrific incidents with Carrick and Cousins, you know, there's two officers that have, will, will spend the remaining days of their lives in jail, quite mm-hmm. rightly. You know, it takes a lot to come back from those because naturally you have two... And obviously this saying's been barren, it's not just a couple of bad apples. You know, there are a couple of big trees out there with a lot of apples on them where people that have that should not be in policing. But as as a as a retired um commander recently said in a radio uh interview, John Sutherland, he said, For every one story that you hear of bad, I can probably tell you of ten, fifteen, hundreds of stories of good. There are officers out there giving CPR to babies that are, you know, that are that are coming across medical episodes. There are officers that are dealing with trauma day in day out. People committing suicide, going to homicides, dealing with the trauma of going to stabbing incidents affects police officers. I think just as much as dealing with the families and the victims. You know, so I I genuinely believe that that we've seen in the last couple of years some really bad incidents of police officers not behaving badly behaving badly and atrociously and they shouldn't be in the organization but there are also thousands and thousands of them that go to work every day to try and support the community and and, and have an impact positively on people's lives i think they should do it's that just as that well. we just don't see it like, yeah because they always well, focus like, on the negative stuff yeah. rather than the I, i've not yeah. seen that's why that. i said like when, you, when they speak to you when they when they go into schools like it shouldn't it doesn't have to be on a on a bad basis it doesn't have to be like you know, you know, knife crime is happening. Da, da, da. It can just be, you know, something that's just a bit more casual, and they just make, make you know, a bit more, you know, yeah, just a bit more you casual. Go to schools and like focus on like different structures of the police force. I think yeah. like I was oh, yeah. you can go to data, data forensics or forensics or yeah, yeah. investigations or mm, yeah. such and such. And, and make it straight like make that. it yeah, because there's there's a lot of things you can. There's a lot of different job roles. The police provide you with you know an abundance of different you know from from firearms policing to mm. community policing to forensics to counter-terrorism to homicide mm. investigators. Yeah, but most people just see the standard person on the street. Yeah, sitting in a pig. car. You see someone pig. like, yeah. you see someone like Nines, that the rapper, giving out turkeys in Christmas to his yeah. whole community. Yeah. You're, not, you're not seeing the police officers doing that. Yeah, but I understand like, why. Like, that, I understand. Like, yeah, I'm just saying that. Like, I'm just saying. No, like, no, no, I know. I agree. Something like that. I agree, but I, I just understand. But that's where the education needs to happen to it because I understand why they don't do that. And it's very easy for someone to say, but they don't why do this, that? they don't why, do that. Why is why, that? What you say? Why do you think they don't do that? 
no, like down to funding and things like that. I ask like they're they're busy. Like when when you see them driving around, it's not like they're just driving around, like just plonking around. They're just they're busy. But when if there's more funding, there'll be more police officers. There'll be more if if people change their attitude to what the policing is, there'll be more police officers and they'll be able to do take part in different kinds of activities within the community so that you don't only see them when it's bad. Or you don't, you, you know, they, they you can so have it. You, you, you can, you can have a funding at Christmas. They can't just give out some tech. I don't know. I'm just, I just ask. Them. <laughs> I don't know, but that's that's what it is. But maybe maybe they can. But I don't know. But that's where the education needs to come into it. Like like you just said, they're they're under a lot of pressure. Mm. So I, yeah, I do, I personally don't see why they can't. But at the same time, then if they do that, then someone else is out there saying, oh, but you're not focusing on my investigation. This like like the um situation I brought to you, the stabbing in Croydon. Mm. And, um, you know, she wasn't happy with how her investigation was going. Um, and also, I had a friend that uh, that messaged you mm. um, that said he didn't. He so I had a friend that I went to college with, and through the tweet, through the Twitter exchange, he saw my profile and he followed me and he let me know that he joined the he joined the Met. Like you working in Brixton and Peckham no yeah. for a year, <laughs> for a year, yeah, no way. for a year. And he said his experience. He said he can see why. What did he, what was exactly? He's, what he yeah, he he certainly had seen some of the, yeah, what was uh, the negatives that we've we, we've spoken about today. So he's you know the the disproportionality of searching. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the methodologies and and some of the lack of, um, or or, the, or the, more so the poor decision making around. Um, searching, but but I but I think, and I'm not making excuses here, although it might sound like I am. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure on frontline officers to try and, you know, to have an impact on on what's going on, and and I think that that pressure is leading to maybe poor decision making. Um, do you think that pressure went onto him, and that's why he probably left? No, I think he was just uncomfortable with the environment he was in, okay. and, and and I think it's it's because he's quite small, you know, he's he a small guy. I, I, when I when I heard he joined the Met, I was like, you. But policing, like, but pl- you know, policing is is a vocation to which everybody can partake in. But it's equally a very. It can be a very physically demanding job. Yeah, it, you know, he's, so, he's small, so, and and policing caters for everyone, big, small. You yeah, know, just, all yeah. different different demographics. But it is a difficult job. I don't think you can shy away from that. You only have to see, you know, some of the challenges that London faces to see that it requires people that can look after themselves, can look after their colleagues, and can talk. And you know, and it's. Um, I just think the whole the perception of the police needs to change in general, and that's when we'll have more collaboration. But it's important. That's why, you know. Well, for all of society, work with, yeah, for all of society, yeah. I think I, I think I think society also and communities have a responsibility to definitely to look inwards as well and say what well, you know what sort of communities do we want? Yeah, and you know? how how am I contributing to that? Yeah, because I just think it's important. That's why conversation like this are important. Hundred percent. No, well, listen. You know, we've definitely. been we've been going now for it's just ticking over an hour and forty two minutes. So, yep. you know, it's, I think it's a good part to wrap up. But can I take this opportunity to thank you all for coming on the show? No problem. Uh, I think a it's incredibly brave. You're incredible. You know, you you are leaders within your communities by by being here, yeah. and for all of us partaking in this, having a conversation, which you know isn't always easy. You know, they're difficult conversations where we talk about things which are you know have affected us all different levels. Um, but I think what it demonstrates is is that we can have these conversations, that we can potentially make a difference, and that if if just a couple of people from our respective different groups, whether that be on the policing side or within community, see that this can happen that we can sit down and have conversations we can agree we can disagree and we can try and find solutions going forward 
then you know it'll be a better place so thank you all every so much for You're coming on the show thank, thank you for the opportunity you've given us a platform as well you built a platform great, that man. allowed us to come in and speak and showed a genuine interest in us as well mm. and actually wanted to solve the problems because not many people like you said we don't know of people like you doing like showing an actual genuine care for knife crime and things like that you actually have it so yeah we want to thank you for that as well definitely no brilliant all right well thanks very much this podcast is brought to you by the public safety foundation the public safety foundation and its supporters are on a mission to make the uk the safest place to live work and raise a family this crime fighting mission is one that many of protect and serves guests have contributed to Find out more and join those already supporting the Foundation's mission by visiting publicsafetyfoundation.uk. Protect and Serve is an independent podcast hosted, produced and edited by Oliver Lawrence.